It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. That was a pretty. Hello. Cr- that hello, was a. Hello. 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 <laughs> hello. That was a pretty cr- uh, crazy uh, couple casts ago. We went undercover into the gay leather bars. Uh, yeah. Jeez. My, uh, my ass is still chafed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't. From your couch, because yeah. I was from the, from the couch, because I was wearing assless chaps during that. Yeah, because what happened was, uh, <laughs> if you weren't if you weren't with us two weeks ago, um, welcome to another exciting addition to an. Uh, this is real exciting to another. Uh, uh, edition of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Dog Falcon and Blue Wonder away. Oh, man, I miss Dog Falcon and Blue Wonder. <laughs> In Big City. You remember that? That's just... Took it you just, back. just occurred to me. Well, because every time you say that, it's in the same. I know, but Saturday you, you said so. Dog Falcon and Blue. Wonder. Oh, I know, because every time you say that, I think of Dog Falcon and Blue Wonder. I know, but it's Away. Blue Falcon and Dog Wonder. What did I say? Dog Falcon and Blue Wonder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's that. Here, dis- I thought you were making a joke. There's that <laughs> dyslexia again. Dog Falcon. Maybe I was in Blue Wonder. <laughs> Blue wonder. That 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 was our that was our code names when we went underground into the to the to the gay leather bars. <laughs> I was Dog Falcon and Blake was Blue Wonder. Um, so I'm Dion Baya and I'm Jay Blake and this is Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Yeah, two weeks ago we did a cruising. Last week we, we, we cruised. We cruised around, and last week we did we dropped a great interview with uh, Randy Jurgensen um, about his uh, life of being a cop. Uh, and in Hollywood, and he talks. He actually gives us the backstory of what cruising was because he was the. It was a case that he was on that it was based on, and he was an actor in it, and he was a consultant. So yada um, yada yada. When we went to go watch the movie a couple weeks ago, Blake showed up in. Uh, he thought it was going to be cosplay. <laughs> I thought we were going for it. Yeah. So Blake showed up like uh, knocking the on on. Uh, no, I mean I. I'm sorry. I went over his house, and I'm like, "You're here. We're here." And I'm like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" And, uh, you know, Blake's got the hat on. He's got the leather jacket. He spent a lot of money, too, probably, too, because I don't know how hard that is to try to find. Like, where did you find all that stuff? <laughs> well, you know. I like, went, you do live in the city. I went down to the village <laughs> yeah. and did some shopping. Yeah, you went. To, you found Powers Booth, and you're like, what's the hanky game? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how's it working again? Yeah, and then you, then you messed up on it. But you're like, I, I'm going to put the yellow one in the right <laughs> pocket. So uh, welcome to Saturday Movie Sleepovers. Um, so we're back. We're at the end of the summer. Can you believe the summer went so oh, quickly? I can't even believe it. It's like a right-hand turn. I mean, I think I've made myself clear. I'm not the biggest fan of the summer. I like it until it gets hot as balls out. And when it gets hotter than a wolfman's nards, I just can't take it. Hotter than a wolfman's nards. And uh, it's gotten pretty hot for us at some points. It hasn't been the worst. We haven't hashtag. Hashtag. Wolfman's, wolfman's nards. <laughs> 
Hashtag a Wolfman's Lars here. Oddly enough, not, re- not really a Monster Squad reference. Just something that we started saying. In yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why. And then it's it's. I just think like, it was uh, we had a roommate Phil, and somehow I don't know if it was him or well, he was a hairy guy. Or, or or together we came up with this phrase hotter than a Wolfman's Lars because because you have like calls cold as a witch's. Tit. I was gonna say well, a witch's yeah cold as a witch's tit, which is we didn't certainly make up. So no, that's no. been in the zeitgeist for years. So, so think, you think of, why not have a, com- a companion one? <laughs> yeah, a hot one. Yeah. And a wolfman's nards it's being be packed hot. into those tight pants. Yeah, because, you know, it's like <laughs> covered in fur. You think of, like, the Lou Ferrigno syndrome where everything's going to rip off except for that area right yeah, there. Exactly. I mean, that, I think that was the thought process. As well as he's not going to be shaved. So, yeah, you it's know, like it's going to be furry. It's yeah. all going to be packed into those and, tight pants. Uh, you listen to um, uh, freaking... Uh, uh, what's his name? Howard Stern, and he has the fresh balls, which I use, and uh, that's an alternative to using talcum powder down there. And we know that the Wolfman ain't going to be using either <laughs> one of those. <laughs> There's you no know, talcum. So down a lot, there. a lot of chafe going on, as you were to say. So, uh, so you know, I think we need to come. Up, we need to come up with a Dracula one. <laughs> we need to come up with a Frankenstein well, one. You need to we just have the whole Universal <laughs> canon covered. Well, I think the, the the problem is coming up with like, you know, and I don't know if it was so much about like. A witch and then a wolfman. It was like we have a cold one, but and we, we had a hot, hot one. one. So you need to come up with like maybe like an uncomfortable. You're, you're uncomfortable is like Dracula in church, <laughs> you know, or you're you're uh, or it's, it was right. as awkward now as Frankenstein at like how a you, people. We're open to suggestions. Yeah. Tweet us, like, yeah, uh, Dracula and a Frankenstein. That's that sleepover. Hey, if you want to get adventurous, you could even do like a a, a, a a Black Lagoon one. But let's let's keep them. Yeah, let's let's, let's keep them G rated. This is. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know we're a, talking about balls and titties here. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's try to keep, keep a G Keep a family yeah. friend. Yeah, we're talking about balls and titties here, everybody. You know, but, uh, you can bet your you, ass at half a titty. If you we're come be... up with any, uh, you know, uh, paranormal monster, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll think it's hilarious. Uh, we'll do a little hashtag us. Uh, you know, uh, tweet us and hashtag Wolfman's Nards. Uh, we're talking about this week that we're doing. It's the end of the summer. End of the summer. Summer's flew by. It's a hot one. Uh, and we're already thinking about next summer. Already. Yeah, we've, we've already had to turn down <laughs> movies that we were going to do this summer that we're like, no, we're going to have to wait till next summer. And we're like, okay. So we're putting them on the calendar. And we're like, you know what we should do next summer? Let's do this. Because we just, God damn it, we ran out of weeks. Yeah. And then, you know, it's it's it looks almost daunting. Yeah. Daunting. So we already have summer, like, booked. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very daunting because we also like to do stuff around anniversaries. And God, Jesus, if you didn't know... Uh, next year's 2017, and it looks like in 1987, 30 years ago, like every movie that came out is awesome. So it's like you've got th- thousands of yeah. movies that and were like... And plus, you know, summer movie schedule. I mean, you know... We're only doing how many movies a summer? There's three months in the summer maybe, so we're doing so double the, that. I mean, a lot of the... Six like, movies? At least part of this summer was, you know, trying to cover movies that had like sequels or remakes coming out. So... You know, they we're going to have to contend with that. Yeah, so. yeah. We have that to go on. That always throws like a uh, like an audible did, in. Like we did Ghostbusters. We yeah. did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We did. We did a double feature there. <laughs> that did. was the first time we ever did a double feature at the same time in one cast. <laughs> and that was tough. And I really still feel like we didn't give the uh, the no. Secret of the Ooze. It's, it's Short shrift. Yeah. Whatever you, whatever There's a lot of adamant, <laughs> hardcore Secret of the Ooze fans out there like, I want its own cast. God damn it. You said you were doing Secret yeah, of God the Ooze. God damn it. They were getting very belligerent. God damn it. <laughs> How can you do this to me? How can you, I waited all my life for a podcast. We did, Tar- just we did Tarzan. Yes, a very unorthodox the one no one July was 4th movie. For. <laughs> well, because I remember for me. you suggested that, 
and I, you were like, I have a very unorthodox July 4th movie. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, why the fuck is this a July the 4th movie? And then I realized, you're like, no, no, it's just because the other Tarsians coming out this month. I was like, oh. So for the whole movie, I'm trying to figure, like, what, are they What's celebrating? The connection of is, July it, 4th? is it Greystokes? Is it their independence? There's not even an American in this movie. <laughs> It's all British or, or or African or wherever it takes place. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, we had so we had a busy summer. We, summer rental we did too, another we great summer one. Summer rental. The great John Candy you know, Carl Reiner. Another good one maybe next year. What about Bob? Would what be about Bob? One. Everyone loves What About Bob. That's the only other movie the Bill Murray people like, you know, I mean actually he's got a, quite a few uh like real meatballs. meatballs. We do all Bill Murray some stripes, <laughs> you know. And I'm not even the biggest Bill Murray fan, but um, you know, he's got a lot of those movies back then. I mean, Caddyshack, people love, you know. There's a lot of movies that we can pick, and there's certainly, like I said, with what we already have tentatively, tentatively scheduled in our calendars, as well as what's going to be the 30th anniversary. Jesus, we're going to have to be doing like you know casts every week, which is which is daunting. three times a week. Three times a week. <laughs> You know, you pay you us know, if we'll we, do it. If we, if we just started doing them live, we could... That's scary. We could crank them out. I mean, well, we are doing them live. We're just doing live the tape. I know, but if we were just like every day, we just... Oh, you just... just and once a week, we just got together and talked. Well, that's a new reality show right there. We move in together just to do... See, when no, we live together, no. we should have did it. We should have thought about that. You know, a lot of we record pre- podcasts, pre-podcasts. I mean, I guess the podcast thing was starting to happen, but it was before the... The big phenomenon of it, though. Dun, 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 dun. So we're in the late summer months. Before we know it, it's going to be September. No, and this summer's been. It's been. It's, it's been, been a lot hot. going on. It's been a lot going on. And this summer and this year is gross. <laughs> yeah, grow hot, hot and sweaty. <laughs> what's, the, what's the line from Predator? What? When the the, the the woman's talking, and it's like you know it's that shot where they're like looking out into the thing and he's using the trees and, and the woman's talking about how like in the yeah, summer it, months he'd come <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and we do in the summers we find them sometimes much much worse <laughs> and the summer grows hot and it grows hot again uh, she comments on that summer being specifically hot yeah 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 and, you, and, then and the, that's the way it feels like here at least in New York yeah and then we can do summer. Predator 2 because remember that's when uh, there's a heat wave in LA that's why the Predator showed up yeah we joked about how like how <laughs> How? What if Predator Two and this movie were happening? Oh, in, same, at same, the same time in the city. It really, you know, like when it, we talked about like Rocky and, and Blowout <laughs> happening at the same time, <laughs> like during Rock while Rocky's training and stuff. Blowout. Yeah, there's a serial. Out. There's a killer. A bunch of killings happening at the July Fourth thing. Yeah, this is a very much a movie where I forgot this. Uh, coincidentally, this this could be happening the same week as events in uh, as Pred- the Predator comes down to South Central to start killing Jamaicans. <laughs> And uh, Danny Glover's running after it. And then you have on the other side of town, this poor guy in one day. Well, it's just one day. At least for the Michael Douglas character falling down. Yeah, we're it's doing a defense. We're doing. Uh, so it's a day in a life. Yeah, day in a life of of of, of defense, uh, aka uh, William F- uh, Force uh, Foster, Foster. Uh, from 1993, uh, directed by Joel Schumacher, who I used to love Joel Schumacher until he kind of ruined the Batman franchise for me. Really, I'm curious what. Did you love about Joel Schumacher? I liked. Uh, I loved this movie. I loved. I loved this movie. I liked Flatliners, and I feel oh, like yeah. there's a couple other mo- Schumacher movies. Because I know, he made. like you were never quite as into like Lost Boys as I was. Th- th- there you go. There's Lost Boys. There's a good movie, and I feel like there was a, a lot of other. He did around either this movie, or uh, yeah, this movie's kind of getting to right before he did the Batman's, and around the Batman's he did I think a Time to Kill. 
and he also did The Client. He's got a couple like Tom, uh, not Tom Clancy, John Gershom uh, movies. Grisham. Grisham, Gershom. Grisham. Grisham, Gershom. Yeah, he's had a couple of those movies under his belt, which I liked when I saw them at the time. So I, I, I feel like he had a bigger catalog than I can remember now that he, uh, he was doing at the time that I was enjoying. And then, like, you know, I mean, I, I got to say, for Batman Forever came out. You know, I was completely into that when that came out. I saw it in the theater. I, I liked it when it came out. It was going that way. And then when Batman and Robin came out, I just I, it lost You who presented a theory, or was it for another different friend of mine, what? presented a theory about the Joel Schumacher movies in relation to the Tim Burton movies? Mm, I don't know. That the Tim Burton, that the Joel Schumacher movies are movies within the world of the Tim Burton movies about Batman? No. Like if, like if, like the, the Joel Schumacher movie, it's one of those like fan theories that the Joel Schumacher movies are like movies in Gotham City that are being shot. A, yeah, about Batman. Oh, you know, like, but the, but the real Batman is the Timber, <laughs> and that's interesting because it's so weird. Because you think of not to get this on the Batman cast, and we're kind of uh, hard shot for time. <laughs> we cannot stay on task. But it's like you think about how it took them from Batman sixty six, the Adam West show. It took them literally twenty years, if not more, to get away from it and they did a show or they did a movie which was so groundbreaking the 89 Tim Burton Batman with Michael Keaton and then within less so than yeah, 10 years we did years, a last September we did last September which our anniversary is coming up and it's funny then within 10 years of that they went right Joel Schumacher took him right back to Batman 66 <laughs> and I think he says in even one of the director's commentaries a friend of mine said to me that he even says like uh, full disclosure I don't even like the I Batman I don't even Chazzy. like Batman and it's like what are you talking about how are you gonna do what the how the, what the, what the how are you gonna hmm so, but Joel we're doing Schumacher. Joel Schumacher's falling 1993 down. falling down, starring the something great that Douglas. didn't even occur to me until you, until we were about to start, and you said the word, you said the title, falling down, and because yeah. we just watched the movie, yeah, it never occurred to me that London Bridge is falling down. It's all over the movie. I know, but like that, the title. <laughs> That there was a connection there. Yeah, yeah. There's, like a, there's, a, there's a subplot. All these years. <laughs> because it's played a lot. 20-some years. And also in this movie, uh, even watching it, when they're singing it, when he's singing it to his wife, singing it. I didn't even like, oh, yeah, this movie's called The Fall and then it's Down. And then it's on the... Um, well, I know the song, but like... The, the snow the globe. When, you know when he buys the snow globe for his yeah, daughter? Man. That's on but it. Does, but you don't hear the word fall. No, down, but you hear the you hear version. the thing. And then you on the cake... It says that, but point to being is on the cake, they are moving to um, Lake Havasu, right? They're, they're going to move to Lake Havasu, uh, and that has there, in 1979, they, in real life, uh, they as in the people that do this kind of thing, <laughs> actually took apart a bridge stone for stone, brought it over from England, and they reconstructed it stone for stone at Lake Havasu, the London the, Bridge. And then the spirit of Jack the Ripper. Yes, you remember this. <laughs> this is the movie I was telling you. So this is the movie that I'm always trying to figure out what it was that, that freaked me out as a kid with David Hasselhoff, where David Hasselhoff's like a security guard of this, the, of this thing, and then there's like a blood stone. It's some TV movie, and then like, you know, the Jack the Ripper's blood got on the stone, and they're able to resurrect the spirit of <laughs> Jack, Jack the Ripper. So. Goddamn. Susie, get on that, will yeah, you? Yeah, we got to figure out what that is and do that like anyone's gonna really uh you know yeah is gonna care about it's that it's gonna be a mind war- a mind warp episode <laughs> you know we found that if you haven't seen the movie you're less apt to watch to listen to the podcast yeah so um sometimes we go way down the alley <laughs> so if, if if you are a devote listener to listening to our whole um 
catalog, you'll recognize or you'll remember, hopefully, or you're like me who doesn't remember what I had to eat yesterday, that I, I've been... I've talked about that in the past, and then when I when we watched this, I was like, "Oh yes, that's it. That's it's Lake Havasu. That's the actual place where this this is, and that's where the Robert Duvall character is supposedly retiring. He's going to retire with his wife, played by Tuesday Wells. Yeah, and um, this movie takes place in '93. Uh, I guess backstory of the film is that it was a script that had gone around Hollywood for Hollywood for a little while, and no one was really kind of people were scared of it because it was kind of controversial the material or what it dealt with really and it would, and kind of, I guess people were really worried how you would uh, film it in a certain way so it didn't come off uh, one way or the other and then also at the time uh, it was the end of the uh, the Cold War and the, the, the um, USSR had just fallen so uh, you had that whole era coming to an end in the early 90s there was a big recession that had happened that a lot of people lost their jobs as well while this movie was uh, filming they literally got the um, the judgments on the um, b- the big case of um, Rodney, uh, King. Rodney King case and those adjudications came down right when they were filming this and that plunged LA into riots because of the uh, unjust or just, however you look at it, uh, of of their of of the police getting off for the Rodney King uh, beating, so uh, it was very topical for right yeah. when it came out because of all these a, things. It was a very turbulent, you know, year. and it's hilarious. You think about like we do movies in the sixties and seventies, cruising a couple of weeks ago, and it's like you know that think about the turbulent time of the sixties and seventies, and then you think about the turbulent times of the eighties, and the t- and then early nineties. Well, those were turbulent times too. For Christ's sakes, the half of L.A. was burning. You know, you know, yeah. s- certain uh, wards of L.A. were on fire. They burned down in the neighborhood because of that. And then we think about what's happening now in the country with different protests and stuff, and how turbulent it is. So it's like, I guess it's always turbulent. Yeah, the moral of the story is it's always turbulence. You know, you just got to buckle in, I guess. You know, and like me, take some like trazodone so you don't, um, or not trazodone, dramamine, you know, so that you, uh, trazodone's an antidepressant, but uh, dramamine so you don't get uh, air sickness like I do. No. But so. Uh, yeah, so that's basically the kind of the back, a little bit of the background. Now, uh, the script, like, like you said, was kind of controversial, so it was hard to get made. They even talked about that it might end up being a TV movie of some Yeah, that sort. was like the last resort because they, they chopped it around all the studios, and all the studios were like, it's too hot of a property to do right. And it's always the... And then well, I guess was it Schumacher who sent it to Douglas? He must have because they, they are or have been or uh, were friends. So Doug, Douglas was just coming off a of basic instinct. Yeah. And he did a movie just before that. So he was had just done kind of two movies back to back and he was looking actually to kind of take a little bit of a break, spend time with his family yeah. and whatnot and not... And this is right right before he ended up having a divorce because he was married to his wife at the time for quite a it's while. It's all because of falling down. I don't know. But it was he was married to his wife for maybe what 10 20 years the first wife and yeah. then he they ended up getting divorced maybe in the mid 90s and then he ended up with Catherine Zeta Jones yeah. in the late 90s but so he was he was like I'm not going to do it because I'm just going to take a break and then they're like well just read the script and he read the script and he's like this is a great script yeah he loved it and then to this we're jumping our header ahead of ourselves but to this day he still considers this the, his most favorite part I that he's ever done it his best role I mean yeah. I think he's he's amazing in this movie well I it's uh, you know it could be another one of these um situations where it the key casting is integral because if 
it did, I mean, I love him in Black Rain. Too. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I like Michael Douglas, yeah, yeah. and I think he's actually he's, he's produced a lot of really. Yeah, great I mean, he's produced Starman. That that in uh, the behind the candelabra is amazing. I mean, I you know when you go watch freaking Liberace, and then you go Liberace, <laughs> Liberace, and then you go see <laughs> you go see oh, him, Liberace. Uh, you go see him. It's indistinguishable. It's almost like Val Kilmer and Jim Morrison. Yeah, how good no, he is. I think he's great. I mean, I th- but I mean, you're right. This movie. I mean, he was never one of my like favorite. Yeah, actors yeah, yeah. or anything but I've always thought he's pretty solid I mean obviously Romancing the Stone and Wall Street <laughs> Jewel you know, he's great as Gordon Gekko I never saw the the sequel that came out a couple no I didn't ago. either no no but um, I mean he's always but, I, I, but always I always loved him but you kind of perceive like Gordon Gekko I don't know to me it's like you perceive like Gordon Gekko is probably a lot closer to the way Michael Douglas is in real life yeah than, than William Foster yeah, <laughs> this this, yeah. like it's more of a stretch and uh I yeah, I'm not saying that he's a, an asshole. We're no, just, no, we're just I'm perception. Just that, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like it, who knows? I don't know him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it could, it, it very well could be. We would think it's closer to him of him being that kind of person. Than I, mean, yes. I, I certainly don't. I, I <laughs> sure hope that in real life he's not. He's not like this character. Uh, defense, <laughs> uh, but it's 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 a it's a part where um, I think like we talked about Gene Wilder and Willy Wonka, where it's it's really clutch on casting. If you don't yeah. cast the right guy. There might be a way you don't really sympathize with this guy, and this is a this is a, a really weird movie, where uh, I hadn't seen it in twenty years until we watched it. I know. Well, it's funny because you mentioned it that you wanted to do it, and I was, I was like, like well, yeah. "It's a hot." Cause I'm thinking a hot movie. Like <laughs> it's hot <laughs> out. Summer. And every time I'm hot, you know, you gotta push that coke can up to your forehead. Yeah, and his <laughs> face, oh, you know, cool off. And so you brought it up, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, you know, this could be interesting." I mean, it's certainly uh, in the time frame. Of the of of our of our peak sleepover years. Oh Jesus! I um remember where I lived growing up. Um, my, my next door neighbor, two houses down from me. The growing up, the the uh, the older woman, Mrs. Scalia, who lived there. They were like once the sub, the suburban complex I lived in. The street was designed in the late forties. They were like the first tenants to move in, yeah. and she lived there until she passed away. Probably in the sadly the late eighties, early nineties. And I used to mow her lawn, and then her. Her grandson took over the house, who was, I guess, in his mid-20s at the time, but I thought he was so much older. But he ran, he was the manager, or he was the district manager for the local blockbusters. So I used to get, like, swag from him because I was like, oh, my God, it's Chris Scala. He's here. And um, I used to hang out with his nephews, who were my age, who would come up from Maryland, Kurt and Carl. They were twins, and we'd all hang out. So um, he had a poster for this movie that he gave me, and then he let me borrow the uh, screener. And it was the first time I'd ever watched that. It was my first screening experience, yeah. a screener with the little thing on the bottom and all that. And I was just like, <clears throat> and that was my first time watching the movie. I didn't see yeah, it in the yeah. theater. So I saw it the summer of 93, I think it was. It came out February 26, 93. So that when it came out that summer, because back in the day, you used to have like six months before movies would yeah, come out. Yeah, so, when yeah, it came so out, I mean, because you had commented that, you know, and that's that you really like, that you you're, you're a big fan of this movie, which I never knew. Not the well, it's one of these movies <laughs> like that like it's never come up <laughs> because it's one of these movies like I hadn't, I probably haven't watched it since high school. Yeah, I watched the shit out of it. It was probably another movie I had on cassette tape, you know. But it's like, yeah. and then I never. I don't think I ever owned it, but I remember watching it. I remember coming out. I remember liking it. Um, you know, I watched it at home. I think we rented it with like you know me and my stepdad or something. Um, and I know that it is a movie that is highly uh, appreciated by people, especially of our generation. Who I guess 
grew up on it, you know, to a certain extent, even though it was it certainly wasn't a kid's movie. Um, I th- yeah, I think it was a lot of people who saw it. But I know my friends always really liked it in high school and stuff, and even though, like, we never... It was not a movie that we rented to watch, uh, you know, often, if at all. I know that it, it, for people of our generation, it, it's a movie that we look back on fondly for some reason, which watching it, you know, today... I find interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that another it, that thing. That it is one of those. Yeah, because it... I, but it also I think it falls under the uh, <clears throat> excuse me under the, the 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 framework of being dated. Dated as a '90s movie because it just happens so quickly. Again, I remember being much longer, but it's just it's all very like you know like go 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 like stuff's happening in the sense like it's not drawn out, but. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you say you use the word dated. At the same time, it's definitely a movie that could have been. Like, I feel like it's really not dated. Compared, oh, yeah. Compared to a lot of you know, movies. I, in that you, era. Know what it, you know what it, it is? It doesn't even really have. It's not like riddled. I mean, you see like a MC Hammer poster yeah. in the background. And then, yeah, and you hear like La Move <laughs> when, when he's walking through the, the Whammy Burger, like, you know, and then you see like New Jack City poster next but, to the but hammer poster. you feel like it really could have... You know what I mean by dated? I mean, culturally, it's dated in the sense where if this movie was made 40 years ago in the 70s, uh, he's a vigilante, you're rooting for him. In the 90s, you're rooting for him, but then we'll talk about how you feel about it as it goes on. Now, if you were to do it, I don't... Th- he wouldn't... How We're in a very, like, sensitive, kind of like... Yeah. You know, political, everything's, everything's politically correct nowadays. Uh... I don't know if this movie would get made nowadays uh, by a mainstream studio, as well as I don't know how he would be. You know, I think that maybe the the uh, the game would be rigged that either they're making him look like either you know overtly to be a racist or whatever. It'd be hard to kind of keep him straight. You know, it just yeah. it kind of you can you can follow the thought process of culture from like you know because he is for better or for worse he's kind of like a vigilante. But he's a realistic vigilante in the sense where ultimately where the, the, the story ends up at the very end of the movie is kind of like the realistic of where it would have happened. There's not really – it's not really like the romanticism of like the Death Wish or the Punisher yeah. or the Dirty Harry. It's like – I guess Dirty Harry is a cop. But if you have yeah, the yeah. Death Wish, the Paul Kersey guy who's doing it himself uh, – you know, there's a fair they're going to remake. So I mean, there I is room too. for vigilante movies, I think. But yeah, but without, I'm saying, without like a very clear, you know, like, vendetta. Yeah, I mean, he's going. He's a vigilante because he's being pushed this particular day to a certain way. And then for me, he starts off in this viewing. He starts off as the victim, and then it gets to the point where you know, I guess the problem with this movie, I don't know if it's the problem, but it, if is it brilliant or is it is it the ambiguousness of it? Is that is he the is he the protagonist or is he the antagonist and i think that could be very that that's either you can chalk that up to like uh it's never that's a problem that schumacher and them never did uh, never realized and that could be a problem for people with the film or it could be a stroke of brilliance because one minute you're 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 going along with him and then to the point where I would say around when he gets to the, one of the greatest performances of all time, Frederick Forrest, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Frederick Forrest's uh, as the neo-Nazi at the yeah, uh, surplus yeah. store, that's when it's like people almost just stop laughing. In the movie, the tone changes. Yeah. And he kind of loses his mind, not that he hasn't already lost his mind. And then you're kind of like, you're not laughing at it anymore. You're kind of worried. Yeah. You know? Well, here's you know here's my perspective on it. Uh, Good night, guys. <laughs> I think that um, in recollection, 
I think when we watched it, there's very much this idea of you're rooting for him. Especially how it's billed. I mean, I watched the trailer after we watched it, and it's very much like the everyman who's yeah, I really mean, taking it too and far. I think the reason why people connect with it is because you can uh, certainly, relate. Certainly relate. You know, yeah. like you relate to, especially, you know, like everybody loves like the fast food scene because at the time it was like, a, I remember that was like a big deal of like, yeah. and even when we grew up, <clears> they changed it from like 11, 1130 to like 10, 1030, the breakfast thing. And sometimes it's like, you just want, like, he just seems to be a guy. Or he, even that last, the last part <clears> of the food scene where it's like, look at the burger compared to the yeah. picture. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, you know, so on, on the surface, and I think it's what people really connect with all these and, little and, problems. You know, like you, you can, you can, especially if you live in an urban environment. Of some, and that was like one of the reasons city. why I think I pitched it to you because yeah. I was like, where we live in New York City, certainly, uh, I think you commute too, yeah. uh, but like the commute I have to take, where I have to walk to the train, take the train into Grand Central in New York City, then walk from Grand Central to my job, and I have to go through the Diamond District every day, yeah. and, and I have to people you have to deal with. You become better or for worse you become that jaded New Yorker yeah it almost this movie would almost have to be honest like translated better to New York City but I guess like the the traveling yeah there would be it's like the Warriors there'd be no reason why <laughs> you know it's like he's, they, he's in the Bronx trying to get the yeah, Coney Island just take the subway you know? <laughs> why is he gonna walk you but know? like you do you know I have friends that at some point, they just get they can't take it anymore. They can't take the city anymore. They can't take standing on the subway platform, and they just leave. They're like, "I'm going to L.A." And then they get to L.A. and they realize L.A. kind of sucks too. Or it's, and yeah. then and then they come back. But I've had at least a handful of friends that end up leaving the city. Well, I'm at the, I'm kind of at that point now where I'm like I'm sick of the city. There's always I've always I don't know if I've even brought this up on the cast, but there's always like for me, there's there's for people who live. Uh, in the Northeast or on the East Coast, uh, there's always this romanticism of the city where there's people who want to move to the city when they may not even want to. I feel like that they're being forced to. They feel like they have to as a point of like uh, rite of passage. And then they move into the city and it's like, what are you doing? I'm living in the city. Where are you living? I'm living, I'm paying four grand a month for like a shoebox and I'm living with, you know, half a dozen dudes. And it's like, okay. And then three years later, they're moved back home. They have a family and, um, you know, they're like, but I'm so glad I did it, you know, and it's like, did you enjoy it? Well, not really, you know, I guess it was fun in retrospect. So yeah. uh, I'm kind of getting the way too now where it's like, I've loved the city, it's great, but it's just the, coming in every day, every day dealing with, the, you know, the people. And for me, <coughs> well, it's a rat race, man. certainly the people, you know, in, in recent years, it's just getting so much harder to deal with just like the people are starting to lose their kind of like... Uh, they're uh, like not morality, but they're kind of just like the the, the respect for the fellow man. I, I, I especially with the younger generations and what you got to deal with on like you know just the people don't really kind of respect someone else's privacy or their or just politeness, and it's just you know that's starting that, to get to there's me. There's that, and there's also just element of like self uh, absorb or something like that. Well, that just, goes into, yeah. You know, like, I'm, this is thing I'll never forget. I was, it was when I was living outside the city and I used to commute into the city before I actually lived in, just lived in Midtown, but, and they have the back entrance to Grand Central Station, yeah. which is, you know, have the main entrance on 42nd Street and then there's this back entrance on what, like 47th? Yeah, that's what I take every day. You walk out the north entrance. And I was standing across the street from it, looking at it, waiting for the light to change. And... This uh, woman, you know, rush into her train or whatever, 
she, you know, gets across the street, crosses, she goes, opens the door, not really even paying attention. You know me? Like, I, I'm notorious for, like, holding the door open. I'll walk, I'll be walking by, like, a McDonald's and sees, like, some old guy about to try to open it in. I'm not even going to McDonald's. I'll open the door. For yeah. <laughs> you know, like, he's got his walker or whatever. Doesn't You know, so, like, I'm, like, that, you know, for me, it's, like, holding the door is something that, I like, I always do. And this woman, not even paying attention, she opens the door, she just, like, swings it open, walks in, and right behind her is a blind guy with a dog, with a seeing-eye dog. The dog sees the door open, you know, for that split second, and starts, and goes for it, and then this door fucking, those heavy, like, Grand Central Station doors, like, then close on this poor fucking dog and this, like, blind guy. So it's like, I don't even, you know, she's not trying to be a dick, but it's like, you get, I think especially in a city like this, you get so, like, in your own world. I, I, I I don't know. For me personally, me, I thought it was, I thought it was atrocious. Yeah, I don't think that's an excuse. I'm not not saying, but I'm saying for her herself, it's like, I'm, you just gave. The I don't example. even think she even realized that happened. Yeah, exactly. Either. She'll never know. That's that's. But, I was like the one person that witnessed. But that's like, more this of careless a. <laughs> that's even more of an idiot to me. It's yeah. like, you, are you that caught up in yourself that you can't around you? There might be someone behind you. Yeah. Hold the door open, you know, or or just just even you act like you do, or you know, yeah, are you yeah. that you know, like that's what I got to deal with on the train now. I got to deal with everyone thinks they're on a reality show, so they talk on their phones on speakerphone. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, or they don't listen. Now the big thing is they don't listen to music with their headphones on. Yeah. So I'm in the fucking quiet car. And I've got people listening to shitty rap music, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, "Can you?" Pl-? And then I, and this happened to me this past week, where the guy walks by, and and, and the, the conductor doesn't even say anything. And I say to go, I go to the conductor. He takes my ticket. I go, "Isn't this the quiet car?" And he goes, "Yes, it is the quiet car." And then he leaves. And I'm like, "What the? F-? Then do your fucking <laughs> job, you know?" But they don't want to deal with it either because yeah, of yeah. whatever reason they're going to be called names or you know. So it's just. That's what's starting anyway, to annoy me. So this is no. kind of, this is where this movie's coming from. So and then, <laughs> and then the summer, oh god, the heat. You well, got to deal with all that. Here's the f- interesting thing about this viewing now, seeing it in 1993, 94, and now seeing it kind of this many years later as an adult in this per- position, you yeah. know, that living as an adult, having this shit, you know, dealing with this kind of crap. Um, you know, I think people connect with this movie because it's like, yes, I relate to this fucking good for him kind of attitude, which is totally okay. And I think in retrospect, like thinking about it, you kind of remember the movie that way. Watching it this way, I found it to be a very different experience for me personally. Yeah. Uh, and I get the sense that it wasn't as different of an experience for you uh, by kind of the things that kind of launched into this conversation. Whereas, like, I feel like for me, his, like, the bodega, like, grocery scene was like way like too over the top in that like at the beginning of the yeah movie. like it's his first his first real action other than getting out of his car and walking away yeah it's like his first like lash out at well that's why it I, was like this I, is like really fucking extreme he's an asshole the grocer is an asshole too yeah but he, this guy is a fucking well, dick. yeah and, it, and that's that's the other thing it's it's weird because that's why I, I i guess i alluded to that it just it just hits the floor going because it's like you know back in 1993 i was into it i was like yeah fuck that for grocer for you know for, yeah. keep, for jacking the prices up and all that kind of shit for but me it's, it's like, like well one back then a can of Coke wasn't 50 cents. It was 75 cents. Yeah. And then the 85 was like just So 85 it was like, but then I'm not going to have enough. Ch- well, here's the, here's an, another faulty thing of, this, <clears throat> of the movie. 
He's like, if it's 85 cents, then I'm not going to have enough change for the phone. It's like, but you do because you have a handful of change. Yeah. You have at least a dime and a nickel. It looked like you had a quarter. <laughs> so so if you got 15 cents change from the Coke, you would technically have enough change for the phone. Yeah. So one. He wants, those, he wants one, all four of those. Of one, Bill Foster. <laughs> Take a fucking chill pill. You have enough. With a, If it was 85 cents, you have enough change for the phone. Yeah. No need to fucking wreck the guy's <laughs> So one, he does kind of jiff the guy by paying fifty cents for the coke. Yeah, I mean, to me, you only got a coke, you only got a soda that cheap at the grocery store with like the White Rock or whatever, like the local. <laughs> no, I think back then you could still maybe get. I mean, you know, I guess it's debatable in an urban area, but if you were to go someplace, you know, you probably get a machine still were doing fifty cents. I, don't know. I think they were. T- I, you know? I always remember seventy five. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, but I see his. You know what? The, but the, at the end of the day, I see his. In, in that scene, I see his point where you have these bodegas. Uh, certainly, no. Places I mean, where clearly, it's, the guy who, who's who's behind the counter is a bit of you know, a big. You have to buy it, something. It, I can't change your dollar. And you when he has the yeah, when he has the drawer open, and then you know, and, and certainly, if if you're in an environment where that's you're you have a captive audience, you're the only store around, and then you're going to just charge exorbitant prices, you know, and you know, it gets into the then. Of course, I live in New York City, so like I'm getting raped in the ass every time. Every store. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, but try, that's the I can't thing. even. I could never went on Prices Right because they're like, "How much is this bottle of aspirin?" It's like to me, it's five dollars. Yeah, but to the rest of America, it's a dollar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you want New York City prices, or are you looking for other ones there? You know? Because in New York City, everything is at least twice as much, if not more. Yeah, and then and then you know, and then I don't, uh, you know, I don't really necessarily. I mean, it's it's a fool's journey, but it's like I. I necessarily don't say well you just it's one thing you got to live with i'm like no i will call out every time i mean i may i may be just preaching to the choir or i may be just saying it to myself but i you know once you throw your hands up you're kind of giving up and it's like and then another thing a big thing which is what i allude to about the political correctness political correctness today a lot of people will construe this whole movie as being racist and i and i think like you're not i don't think I think that's like the cheap way out just to look at it and say, oh, he's a racist because it's like, no, there's other socioeconomic problems that were happening at the time to, to have all this happen. So just because it's the guy's a Korean store owner, you yeah. know, it, it's I don't personally think it's necessarily yeah. being racist I against him because if yeah. it was Greek, if he, the guy was Chinese, if the guy was Russian, if the guy was whatever, if he was Middle Eastern of whatever descent from the Middle East, it could have been anybody. It was just a Korean I mean, it at the is time. A, yeah, I mean, it's a weird line. Yeah. To me, I never really thought of it. I've never perceived it, even on this viewing, as being well. But I, uh, I didn't either. Racist. But, but I look out. I look. But when out. you look at the argument, you know, you can. I can kind of see that it's like he is like this, you know, like self pitying white guy. Yeah. And for and the most world. part, other than Frederick Forrest, like everything, he's taking out his on different <laughs> on, factions. On for the most part, yeah, different like more. And it's also more like multiracial, <laughs> like uh, suppressed community. And I wonder if it was a uh, uh, an obvious decision to have the people at Whammy Burger be white people. Yeah, you know, because they were like, you know, it was like a white girl who's actually um, Michelle Pfeiffer's sister. Yeah, Dee Dee. Yeah, and uh, who who if anyone's interested in 2002 February she she posed nude for Playboy. Uh, <laughs> <Good to know. laughs> I I don't know that off the top of my head. I had that in, uh, looking this up. The, got the Rolodex. <laughs> <of Playboy. laughs> who posed when? Hold on. Year. 
okay, I'm getting 2002. Dion is the bottom. Yeah. Like, cuts the black boy. Cuts <laughs> yeah. Jesus, don't get into it. In March 6th of 1983, who wins the center ball? Colleen Camp. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, uh, that's funny to have the savant for, or like savant for like Hustler or Penthouse, even the dirtier ones at the time. So, I mean, yeah, from, from a, from a viewpoint, it's like yes, he's a he's a white man. He's an Anglo-Saxon white man who his his world is falling apart. You know, he has the older viewpoint of of you know the the happier times from back in the day. And then of course the the counter argument is, well, that's racist and it's thought because the happier times of the day were you know the pre-civil rights and all that kind of thing. So it's it goes down a, like a like a, a a rabbit hole of of you know nitpicking back and forth of of various things. But he is a white man of a certain age who suddenly is in the situation where he had a really good high paying job. I mean we're, we're going to spoil this movie, so let's yeah, hope that people the fuck out of this baby. Yeah, so let's hope people um <laughs> you know I've seen the movie or you know uh, if you haven't shut it off um, and come back and listen to it afterward. And uh, he had a very, a, a, probably a very good paying job since he was a, a defense contractor or missile or some sort of you know uh, national engineer defense engineer or something. He worked for the engine and yeah, def, a defense company who built missiles. And uh, you know, and I guess this was true as well. As soon as the uh, the the Iron Curtain fell, and uh, you know, the USSR kind of uh, after Reagan. Uh, died, a lot of these people lost their jobs. They had pink slips. And also there was a recession in 92, 93 that hit as well that that hurt a lot of people. So he's suddenly in a boat where he doesn't have a job anymore. And then he has issues, which I didn't really pick up on uh, this time around, where he, you know, his family issues. You didn't pick up or you did pick up? I, I, I didn't pick up on him you know, back growing up back in the yeah. day, so That's what much. I mean, like it's interesting to watch you know, it now because, in a way, it's. You, um, I think you start to see other problems with his personality that he even himself realizes, like yeah. near the end. You know, he's realizing. Well, he's watching like the yeah, whole yeah, videos yeah, yeah, and stuff. You know, well, that's the thing. It's like it's interesting because I th- like I said, I think that's what I was kind of getting at before was, which is, I think people perceive this movie and they and they remember it fondly because of the idea of like this is me, you know, like I can relate to this, but at the same time, and I don't know if it's a cop out on the filmmakers part or, or something. It's like, it's not, it's not about a guy having a really bad day, or it's not really about the average guy being pushed too far. It's about a guy who's mentally disturbed. And then who has a propensity for, (laughs) for, Possibly violence. It's never really said. It's a guy who who. It's a guy who's not all there. Pushed too far. So in a way, it's not the everyday guy. It's not you know like you're cheering for a guy who's fucking standing up for whatever, even the smallest of injustice to the most to the biggest of injustices being you know like harassed you know by just because he wants to sit and drink a soda. Uh, on a on like a cement block or something by a couple of you know whatever gang bangers, gang bangers hoodlums or whatever, um, like good for him for saying it's about a guy who is not all there who spirals further and further now, into insanity it, to a certain extent. And what's interesting is we see that his mom is also not all there, so it brings up this like. Uh, you know, like it's hereditary 
And you could even go as far. I don't think most people would go this way, but like maybe the daughter's going to be fucked up. Too. Yeah, oh, I'm sure she's going to. She witnessed her father. You know, the last time she's a member of her father is at police gunpoint. Uh, I don't know if I completely agree with that in the sense because I think if you pull the curtain back, I think a lot of people are close to him in the kind of mindset he's in where with your regular life, you know, it's not all white picket fences and stuff. So you may have a great job, a great family, but behind that, there could be a lot of unhappiness of self-fulfillment, but with him, you know, marital problems say of, uh, you know, this thing or the other. And then, you know, he, I don't know. I don't know if it's mental, if he's mentally disturbed, but then the, the ramp up of him, we find out at the end of the movie, he hasn't had a job for a month. Yeah. You know, then that's where, it starts building up to the point where he breaks at the beginning of the movie. So I wonder if it if it starts off as a baseline. It is like a lot of Americans who, you know, especially in this generation or where we are today, where there's a lot of people suddenly realizing, like, I'm an individual. Why am I taking this shitty job? I want to have a meaning in life, and I want to have. I'm special, and I want to have goals. So back then, in in, in his mindset, there's you know, like there's a lot of people who be you know who have these feelings, or you know, it's not just happy-go-lucky and they have these issues but then when they're pushed this way not pushed as in like society but you know they're you know they lose their job they lose their marriage or for whatever and then you know when they're when their world that they thought they had crumbles around you then that mental illness comes out yeah you know what i mean and then it starts you know because i'm sure i suffer from mental illness i'm i'm pretty damn sure you know i mean there's a lot of yeah but so i think there's a lot of what i mean is i don't know if anyone is truly normal you know, does anyone truly have the perfect life where they get along great with their spouse? No, you know what but I mean? There's, uh, and it, I guess it's the way you remember it. If I you get, only, I guess, I mean, I, I totally see what you're saying, and I, and I, and I guess maybe I, 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 I came on a little bit too strong, and that like there is, there is still an ability to empathize and, and understand what the guy's going through, but at the same time, he's a guy who, you know, Granted, we don't really know what the problem is with him and Barbara Hershey, who plays his wife. I mean, even the cop is like, he doesn't, he's never, he never did it or whatever. And she's like, well, I never wanted to. St-. Clearly, there's some, she's afraid of him yeah, for yeah, some yeah. reason. So apparently, you know, clearly, she has reason yeah. to get a restraining order against him. The, a judge had yeah, reason, it, yeah. f- had enough, you know, t- there was enough evidence or something for him to get. You know, you can't just get, you know. But I wonder, um, too, I mean, and, and, I mean, this, I don't completely believe this, but it's devil's advocate. I wonder if, if it's, you know, it, maybe she's the one that's, you know, that that it's because she's built this up and the judges granted it. It's one of those things. And that's yeah. what's made him. It's got him to this point because of all this stuff that happened. Where I mean, certainly you look at those home videos and, you know, there's cer- certainly there's stuff going on there with anger issues as well as, you know, you know, but I'm sh- I can probably tell you if you got my wife in this room. There's, I have shit like that happen to her all the time. Like, <laughs> what the fucking, the fucking, you know? I mean, can you imagine being recorded yeah, and you're 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 viewing something back and you're I like, think, here's Jesus, the thing. I, I look like I a guess fucking my asshole. Po- my point was like, yeah, you do, we don't know the priors. We don't know yeah. the priors, and I and I'm wondering from a filmmaker standpoint, screenwriter standpoint, or whatever, like, what's the reasoning? Like, is it a way to justify to maybe? Uh, to justify certain things, to maybe have a defense against certain arguments against the movie. Um, because at the same time, it's, you know, there's something there. You know, he's he's not... Yes, he's a guy that lost his job. He's a guy that's in a tough place. He's a guy that can't see his kid. 
but at the same time, there's the, at least at the very least hints. I would say more that there's there's an underlying issue. There's reasons yeah. for certain things. Um, With his, like you said, his mother. You know, his mother certainly has issues, and I wonder if that's been because of him. You know, or the father. Maybe she, the, father the mother's afraid of him. Yeah. You know, she talks about how like. She's almost afraid to chew and swallow. Well, I wonder. You know, it's it's. You always talk about mental illness or wherever. You know, it's a lot of a lot of stuff. First exhibits itself at home. So I wonder if he's been canned for a month. Yeah. This is all that's been happening. You know, he's lashing out at her first, yeah. and then the first day we see him, which is the first three minutes of the movie, is when he ends up breaking. And then no, she's been seeing this for far longer. You know, in situations because she's seeing him every night, having dinner with him or whatever. I would say, in terms of going back to like the racial stuff, I would say that there's a very important part of the movie, a very important scene of the movie, which is the 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 black guy outside of the bank oh, who's uh, not economically viable, played by Vonti Curtis Hall, who we we the great actor who we know recently. He was in Daredevil. He, was he in played the first uh, season of Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, the reporter, great actor, and um, he. And it's interesting that. He plays that he's billed as the not eco, uh, uh, economically viable man, but he's also dressed the exact same well, that's way. That's what I mean. In is the that same like, colors. It's it's it, like a lot of It's a of them. very deliberate, deliberate uh, attempt that that they're the, the, the that same. They're the same, and they're going through the same. He's, he even says that he's that he's not economically viable. He lost viable. his job because yeah. he's not economically viable. Um, the guy looks at him as they're driving away. He says, "Like, remember me." Yeah, and he nods. Um, 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 Michael Douglas he, nods. Michael return. Douglas acknowledges that, like, this is this is it. This is what's happening. This is, and it's a comment on like this is what the times, the economic times, the loss of job. You know, this is what does it does to you know, like it can it does push people. Yeah, this guy. Not economically viable, can't get a loan, and he's protesting, and and eventually he's disruptive enough to the public that he has to be arrested. Yeah, and he's kind of and Michael Douglas on the is like the extreme of that. You yeah, know, pushed to the, like even further, where it's now he you know he has to the law has to intervene. And with, these are people who thing. who have for better or for worse have gone the the classical route that you're supposed to do. You're supposed to. You know, go to go to school, go to college, get a degree, have get family. a nice, you have a family, get a nice job, and you've done everything the society told you that you should do to get rewarded. But then, when you get to that position, either you don't feel fulfilled, or suddenly, for whatever reason, be it for illness or death or tragedy or whatever, um, society takes it away from you, and then you you kind of and there's certain people who, when they're put under the thumb like that, like. The, the the gentleman not economically viable or him well they crack under the pressure yeah. and I for me like for us living in the city I completely uh, identify and and you know and uh, simply even empathize with that situation because yeah. you see it a lot here but then there's also a lot of things you know like I said a lot of people may call this racist but there's a lot of things in it you see truths like um the example when he's walking through the the park uh, after he just sees economically viable. And uh, you have the homeless person come up to him with that's eating the sandwich, just yeah. asking things from him. And in the past five years or six years or so, there's been a rash of homelessness popping up in New York City where we live. And it, to me, it's like I have the greatest sympathy for people who are homeless, but you know, it gets kind of frustrating to the point where I used to give a dollar to the same guy every day or every week, and that guy's still there, and it's eight years, and he's still sitting there every day. And it's like, yeah, I don't know, there's, there's probably an, an argument or an answer to everything I'm saying, but it's just like... 
it gets hard to, 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 you know, you're working yourself to try to make ends meet. And then you're always going to have someone holding their hand out and you keep giving. And then within the next block or street, someone else wants it. And then they don't get, and then some of these people now, <clears throat> these people the, are, are kind of argumentative. Like this man in this movie, they're like, you know, can I have, you know, and they give you some song and dance. Like I, I pass a guy every night who has a sign that says, you know, either uh, his mother's dying, his mother's dead. Uh, he needs a ticket home. He needs it. You know, and, and I've been passing this guy for a year. You know, I know his. Oh, I know. You know, I know the woman, story isn't true. I haven't seen her in a long time, but I used to. Uh, you know, I lived near Port Authority, or or I'd be I'd go in there. There's a bank to get any. I'd go to the ATM there if I was in Midtown because uh, sometimes, yeah, you know, I knew there was one there. Anyway, so I would go into Port Authority a lot, and for various things, and when you go, there's like a tunnel underneath because there's two buildings and they're connected. You can go kind of. There's a hallway that's, you know, in the basement kind of area and there was always there was always a woman there that was always looking for money to get a bus yeah to take a bus home or something like that and it's like you've been here for three years you still haven't you still haven't caught your bus and that's what annoys me and then you see these people who you can tell they're not using the money as they're going to say because you know they're probably addicted to drugs they're i you know i see these people who are passing out who can't stay up with their cigarettes in their hands and they're falling asleep because maybe they're on heroin or something yeah, yeah. and then what really worries me is that some of these people have animals and i'm like i hope you're feeding the animal yeah. as opposed to you know feeding a drug or an alcohol habit so you see the frustrations where then these people like become violent like i've had like i said people to me not violent but they get they're not even like thank you where they're like can i have yeah, some money yeah. like i'm sorry i don't have anything then you just like they roll their eyes they huff they may swear yeah. at you and they walk away and it's like hey you know you could say thank you you know or i'm so you know i'm sorry i can't well, yeah, help some you, but... of them some of them are perfectly nice and they'll be like well you know you know god bless you yeah anyway. exactly you know, so, that, and then some great. of them they get kind of and it's like you, sometimes you gotta be like Look, I just gave a dollar to the guy there. Yeah, and you're, you're like, and you guys should stand together and split the money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and if you go, if you can't go a half a block without seeing someone who wants something from you, it kind of gets hard. So it's it's and it's funny in this situation, this movie, where everything the guy's saying is, you know, he's able to say, "Well, show me your license, show yeah. me your car receipt, show me where I you're going." In weeks, and he's eating the same. Yeah, much. exactly. So it's like, and he's like, "Just give me some money," and it's like, you know, it's just that you can kind of see where this will frustrate, and it's. Just it's funny the little things in the movie where you know he uh, he goes to the bodega first and then from the bodega, you know he goes um, to, he, he, on top of the mountain in the old neighborhood where he, he finds the two pachucos that are part of the gang and they want something from him and then there's the drive by and then at that time he st- you could tell that, I don't know Michael Douglas is starting to get affected because the the drive by doesn't really bother him in a sense he kind of just casually walks by and it's well yeah he does it's like he doesn't even realize it happened until yeah you know he kind of gets to the car and then it's like you know he's he ca- he's kind of in his own yeah thing. yeah because of what happened and then there's the guy in the park and there's the burger joint and then he shoots up the phone booth but it's interesting that it, that he once his I don't we'll call it a rampage, but when his like his day begins with all this like um, like him just putting his foot down for whatever reason, he starts acquiring things that become more lethal. Like yeah, he, yeah. he gets the bat first, bat leads to a knife, knife then leads to like a he gets the gun, and then he has like he a, has the bag of guns. Yeah, right and, then and then he, then he gets, gets a, a fucking rocket, rocket launcher, launcher, and then at the end he gets a, a you know a water pistol, and it's just it's you know you start off the movie. You know, kind of, especially in the, I think back in the '90s, a little more. You're like, yeah, you know, he is sticking up for us, but then it kind of well, gets. You, know, you also have to put into the perspective that the '80s into the '90s is when like the whole PC thing started getting kicked into overdrive. Yeah, with the, with the you know rap music and it's starting to put like the 
you know, warnings about language and stuff on albums. And, and it started, that's when it like, this is happening in a time where it's like that. Now we're in like almost overly, uh, PC times, but that, it, this is when it was, this was in the middle of it. Yeah. So, or the, oh, yeah, the infancy where it's yeah. getting into, yeah. With, with, you know, um, yeah, the, the, uh, so in a lot of ways, like looking at it, being a viewer at that time, uh, you're like, yeah, like this, you know, this shit's getting, <laughs> it's starting to get a little too restrictive. Uh, so, and then you have to, to, to counter this, uh, I, it's another movie where I find it's a great cast. You have, you know, you have Barbara Hershey, you have uh, Tuesday Well, you have Frederick Forrest, and you have Robert Duvall in it. And uh, I, I love Robert Duvall's character in it because he's kind of the same man. They're kind of like foils. Yeah. Where he's the same kind of guy going through the same problems with life, but then it's two different ways of how people... And it's kind of sad in this respect that how two people who have the same kind of issues deal with how they're able to, for better or for worse, deal with things. Yeah. Where um, for this, it's weird because the Michael Douglas character, to me, when, even when he snaps, I never got the impression that he never was scared to to to, to stick up for himself. Like he, even from the first minute when he hits the bodega or when he sees those two guys, the gang members who were who want his briefcase, he never kind of like. He always pushes back against them, yeah. you know. Whereas the Robert Duvall character is quite different. The, his whole life, he's kind of just let whoever says anything kind of just go, and he's like, "Oh well," you know. He laughs it off, and his underlying motives. He's had tragedy in his life, where his his uh, poor daughter died at two years old at uh, infant death syndrome, and then his wife had a mental breakdown. So he's trying to cover for his wife by not now being death being assigned to desk duty, which people then look at him as cowardice. He doesn't want to go out in the street, but he kind of just laughs all that off until this is the last day. He's going to retire, the Robert Duvall character, and then people are kind of like saying, congratulations to retire, but they they don't really care because yeah. he's nothing to... So it's it's a culmination of like he kind of finds himself. He's just a... He's a cog in the wheel also. Yeah. And so he's very much... You're right. I mean, he's very much the the foil. I mean, it's kind of... It's a, it's a really interesting and well written uh like parallel of these two characters and their like their relationship and and not their relationship at yeah. the same time because I mean, if if Robert Duvall's character was self-centered i mean he talks about himself that like the uh his wife didn't want the baby she got pregnant for him she lost her figure which she's never able to get back they yeah. lost the baby it destroyed the woman's you know uh mind and now she's which she is now she's having a lot of phobias and anxieties that have come to you know and he's helping her and he feels bad about it so and, and you know he could have left the marriage he could have went and did his own thing and fucked off and you know uh, you know and left her because that's what happens now sadly nowadays a lot people you know they get married and people don't take marriage as seriously as they used to so that you know people get divorced quicker than they used to so and then not saying michael douglas did that but michael douglas is trying to hold on to the marriage but you know because of either mental abuse or whatever the stress of stuff they've had a divorce because of barbara hershey and then now you know there's a restraining order where it's his daughter michael douglas's daughter's birthday and he can't even see her on the birthday and that's the kind of thing he's like i want to come home and see my daughter so i don't know if his intention at the beginning of the day was even to go visit his daughter it was like he was going wherever he was going i mean this leads to questions that i had for, for it's like you know where's he been going for the month that he's he's been fired and um you know, uh, you know, they, they, 
he, he talks about like his wife says he doesn't even support his he doesn't even pay alimony but we find out it's not because he doesn't want it it's because he can't afford it but he never really had a birthday gift to give to the daughter because he find he picks one up in his travels he gets the snow globe so what was his whole intention that day where was he going to go where does he eat his lunch every day like his mother says yeah this kind of it's all these kind of questions like it really leads the audience to ask like what has he been doing with you know not getting a paycheck for a month and taking a bag lunch every day and you know and where is he going is he going to work or is he going he's sitting in a traffic jam he's going somewhere where is he yeah. going you know that he finally hits a wall and then the beginning of the movie which is a traffic jam I guess is an homage to Fellini uh, to Fellini's um, eight and a half to the whole uh, traffic jam there and uh, the movie then quickly leads down a progressive role where he starts there's all these little nuanced, thi- nuanced things that people you know are kind of fed up with that he encounters and he sticks up for himself for and then he gets to the point where he gets to the uh he gets to the uh army navy store and he meets frederick forster who i think kind of recenters the frame so you realize that you may call michael douglas whatever you want from whatever you're ascribing to in life and your perceptions of his character but then you see a real racist someone who's you know who's it's an absolutely brilliant role and to me his portrayal, Frederick Forrest, the the actor, reminded me a lot like of Michael Moriarty from that serial killer episode of um, where he's the truck driver. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, talking yeah. like this, you know. What I mean, like uh, you know, from yeah, uh, well, he, he's what's Fred- the name of that show? Frederick uh, Masters of Horror. Yeah, yeah, Masters of Horror episode. Well, I mean, Frederick Forrest is just an he's a he's a really interesting actor to watch in general. I mean, he's certainly I don't think there's any. Uh, I think it's a very uh, calculated casting. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think most of us know him from Apocalypse Now. What's that thing he did in the... He's a couple of movies he did in the 80s, which are pretty good. Um, I, he's in the first season of 21 Jump Street. <laughs> yeah. And, but he's like... He, but he, in a way, obviously, he's not like a, a psychotic like neo-Nazi in that. But it's like he's very much that character in, in 21 Jump Street. Oh, I mean, the- like, a, like he's, you know, very much like a, a Vietnam vet who's very like, hey, guys, <laughs> he's sport. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's... Uh, and he's he's in trauma, which is a uh, yeah Dario Argento movie. But he his character he has a small role in the movie, uh, falling down. But it's just like so nuanced. Like you could tell a lot went into the prep for that. You know, I don't know if that's uh, all his credit or Schumacher asked him to do that. You know, and a lot of truth is in that character to a certain extent. Where I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily crazy in the sense of like traditionally. But there's people who have those viewpoints and they think it's perfectly okay to. You know, there's there's people in this world who have you know this busting quiz. You know, it's like yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, you know, well, just... I think in a lot of ways he's uh, you know, I think the the idea of that he, you know, he knows of Bill Foster's uh, Michael Douglas's uh, exploits through listening to the scanner all scanner. Day, yeah. So when he realizes that that's who it is, he uh, he you know he kind of hides him from the cops. And then he, Michael Douglas doesn't really get it, and I, but uh, you know he's me and you we're the same. <laughs> like, he's so good. Um, and he, you know, he really does feel that way. And in a way, they are to a certain extent. Frederick Forrest, this is like a way more exaggerated, taken to the you know nth degree, um, and and obviously maybe 
you know, clearly much more, you know, prejudice and hatred to, uh, f- than, than Michael Douglas's character. But clearly he's a guy that's fed up with stuff. And in a way, they're they're they are very much not alike. And you know, Michael Douglas is like, you know, we're not the same. Like, I'm not like you. I'm not a vigilante. But in a way, they kind of are. And I think that's also like the brilliant yeah it's, part of that movie. It's weird I mean, that scene. I mean, it's 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 you know, it's one thing for for. Some... And I think it's when Michael Douglas starts to realize that something's you know up. Yeah. <laughs> that like maybe I'm not. I think it's when he starts to reflect on. Well, it's almost when he loses it too. Like yeah. that whole scene when he when it culminates in him killing him, and yeah. that's like you know once you do your first kill, that kind of sets him over the edge, and it's and it uh, it, and it keeps it keeps uh, the, the 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 series of events keep kind of like getting uh, bigger and bigger. Where it's and 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 there's no sense of fulfillment like with the vigilante, like you know. It seems like he he comes off he comes confused. He's very much like he's there's no release from each one of well, these in encounters. Way, here's the thing. In a way, he's like not a vigilante because he's not really. I don't know. I feel like when I think of vigilante, it's like I feel like it's like they're taking the law into their own hands. Yeah, and here it's like he's taking I guess what he feels as social injustice into his own hands. I mean, other than but he's not feeling he's not getting any gratification out of it. Like he's not coming out of it. Like I just showed him it's like yeah. he's more getting more incensed yeah. and then he's upping the ante in every uh subsequential encounter and it's not like there's no release there's no it's just it's just it's still bottling I mean, everything up in the pressures it, you know we talked about it with cruising i mean in a way like he's very much i mean he's a reactionary character yeah. he's just trying to get from point a to point b and then everything that happens to him at at that point everything that happens to him until he gets to point b is like his reaction to everything. He's just like everything's being thrown at yeah. him, and it's how he reacts. I mean, to it. it's 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 certainly interesting to think about. There's people in this world who say um, they don't like a minority, and then that's one thing. And then there's people. The extreme example of that you have the Frederick Forrester who doesn't like a minority, but then he's wishing like hate on him or killing him because yeah. he's he's got an empty clan, uh, can of Cyclone B and he's like look at this is what the fucking Nazi use how many kites did this take out like that's yeah, yeah. horrifying yeah. that he's collecting this shit as yeah. opposed to someone who's like who doesn't like black people or doesn't like Jewish people he's actually like you know talking about you could take you know you could fucking help me kill all these fuckers you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. so and but then it's also interesting to to then uh, that you know there's there's a there's a view where it's like you know just because does it are you a racist just because you know you long for the older simpler times you know what i mean it's like you know i feel like today a lot of people will say you know in in the day and age now we're like a michael douglas's point of view where if he's being sized out or he has the traditional role of an older you know prouder america you know is that necessarily it, it if you if you do long for those times, is it necessarily you are a racist, you're a, a bigot, or whatever? Yeah. No, and like, that's the kind of gray area where some people argue you are, because those are the times when you had, you know, uh, people had certainly in this country had less rights if it's uh, you know uh, minorities or, or or other sexual preferences and stuff like that. So it's it's it it, it leads you down all these these avenues of you know bona fide racists versus people who have phobias against people of of other that are other than themselves down to people who 
you know, who are romantics or, or, or long for an older time, another time. So it's, you know, it really leads you down thinking of all these kind of, um, yeah, I never, you know, I think we said it earlier. Like I never really, never really occurred to me that he was racist Yeah, or, or really even prejudiced to a certain extent. Like to me, it's like what he's doing is not because of that. And I don't think that his like longing, like we're going back to 1960s prices. I don't, you know, like I don't think to me. Well, he I, never, yeah, you, like you say, he never, I think the point you're making is he never, it, it's anybody in, like I said, if you go into that bodega, it's anybody who's there. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to just be because he's Korean or whatever. So it's just who he's encountering that day, but. He's not saying like we're going back to back 1960s prices because that's how all you. No, no, I, you know, that's my point. Is like yeah. I don't think I don't think exactly. longing for or you're being nostalgic or longing for a past era is racist unless you're being nostalgic and 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 you know wanting to go back to those times because of those reasons. Yeah, because like uh, he's not like you people were in your place prices <laughs> because you <laughs> you call reasons or yeah you whatever know, you know it's like and that's not the reason him. why he's nostalgic or or whatever if we're gonna, if yeah, we're gonna yeah. use that word um and like you said he's just reacting to what's happening to him you know the thing with the frederick forrest character is i think it's a very conscious effort on the screenwriter and maybe joel schumacher's part to be like one to show the two sides of it and i think in a way for me anyway my perspective is to maybe show how thin the line is like how blurry it can be in a way like i feel like of it's what like between someone struggling day to day and then people someone snapping yeah like between what michael douglas is going through and what frederick forrest is mm. like i feel like you know the people that are saying that um you know, he's just, you know, Michael Douglas' character is a racist and he's prejudiced or whatever. I think in a way, it's like, there. I think it's a conscious, maybe a conscious decision on the filmmaker's parts to be like, to answer that question. Well, if you want to see it, here's a real racist. Yeah, like, here's, I also here's think it's a like real a, racist, but it's also like, I think most people identify with Michael Douglas. And I think having that, for me, that that line be very thin, if not even slightly blurry, is to be like, there's... There are this people that take the, it to an extreme. There's people that are racist and and hateful, and then there's us. And in a way, like, yes, we're very different. I'm showing you both sides, but at the same time, I'm showing you like how close it can be. Yeah, which could be very thought provoking and disturbing to think like there's. If I'm identifying with Michael Douglas, and you're showing me Frederick Forrest, and even though, you know, like. If it's if we're close, then like, what's that say about me? You know, like. Oh, it's, but it's it's also there to put the distinction up. Like, you know, you're right. Yeah. To see this is the on two sides of it, and I, I just, I don't know. I, it, to me, it seems a bit short sighted just to to, to 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 just laugh off Douglas as a yeah. as a racist. Say when, like we said, like just because he's encountering someone who's uh, African American or who's uh, yeah, Asian, I mean we bring all this up because you know, like after the movie came out, like the Korean American Coalition protested the movie because of the way he treated the, the grocery store yeah. or the grocery store owner, and then and then the uh, unemployed uh, defense workers were also angered by the portrayal of Michael Douglas. Yeah, character I mean everybody like, has a soapbox. Like you're, you're making us, you're making, you're implying that like we're all crazy, and they're like we have we've had hard times, you know, and this this. This movie's actually banned in South Korea because of all that, and it's just you know it's uh, it's just kind of weird that you know everybody 
everybody has issues with things, and uh, I've completely lost the train of my thought. Uh, of of you know you, especially now in researching this for this podcast, yeah. you go online and a lot of people, I you know now everybody has an opinion because they have access to being able to leave yeah, a blog yeah. post. So every, you know it's it's, it's it's also it's interesting to see like I don't know. Uh, I don't remember reading like how I would imagine this movie did fairly well when it came out in terms of critical response. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting to now you get like younger people now watching it. Like now it's like now it's starting to get negative reviews. I think because they're being it's being re- it's being reviewed by a generation that has grown up in a PC era. That's what that's look, what the thing is. Looking and that's back what, at it, and that's what really annoys me. Like the cynicism or the 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 forthright to be able to be the first one to give their opinion not their like this yeah. and where it's like but you don't you're kind of scapegoating the issue by you're not really looking you're just looking at the, the first layer if you got to peel back and see what are the culmination of things that went into this the why this person got there or the you know like i said the social economic yeah. sociological issues or social economic issues that got these people here yeah i mean he's you know? clearly i think you know what's interesting about it and I, you brought it up kind of early on it's like it, it and it could be viewed as, and I think even you put it this way in the beginning of the cast, is it could be viewed as a plus or minus, a strength or a weakness of the movie, is that it seems like the filmmakers, Joel Schumacher or the guy that wrote it, whoever, it's Girl. like they they want the uh, the they want it to they want him to be both a hero and a villain. Yeah, and it's an it's a tough thing to pull off. I think they do a pretty good job. I I I felt less sympathy for him this viewing yeah. than I have in the past. As did I. And I wonder if that's just with age, age of where we are, yeah. not in, in 2016 terms, but as in wow. where we are in our lives. Yeah. But then you think we'd be more, but I think there's a, I think there's a, I think in youth, there's an inherent, but that said, I can't, for rebellion. I can't see like this only appe- appealing to young people back no, in 93. Because no, no, I, I can see so. like our family, you know, like and, our parents. And it still appeals it. to me. I mean, I enjoyed it. Just because I was less sympathetic with him this time doesn't mean I enjoyed the movie any less than I have in the past. Yeah. Like I, it, to me, it wasn't a flaw that I'm less sympathetic. It was just something I felt. I was equally as interested in in his you know his story this day in the life of this guy trying to get from point a to point b very much in in a, in a warrior's kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. And, and but at the same time i was more empathetic i think with robert duvall's character than i probably was yeah 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 past, i I, you know? I can i certainly see the the issues he's going on he has going on with his wife and in the in the what he's trying to sustain in the inner workings of his mind where he's trying to acquiesce to the to the 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 co-workers he's dealing with every day as well as you know deal with his wife who's had some really serious issues uh that they've gone on to and i mean you compare it to like there's there's a film that is a little scene from the 70s called joe with peter boyle where he's like a racist yeah and then it's like it's that's about a guy being a racist and you know and it's i think it's Susan Sarandon's in it, and she's she gets like all naked in it. It's very it's one of the first <laughs> movies you get to see her like she's like nineteen and she's yeah, you know yeah. showing everything and it's like God, Lord have mercy. But it's one of these movies where it's like, you know, it's those seventies movies where it maybe came out, you know, being like it's pro, it's you know, it's all like the American flag and all that. But then he's like a racist, so it's like mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like just taking the piss there. And then at the end of it, it kind of goes from being a racist and he becomes like a murderer, you know. And it's yeah. I don't think it's an example here where. 
you know, he starts off. I don't think I don't think through the whole movie he ever becomes a racist. Well, that's the thing. I, I think that's my, that was what I think I was getting at, and I got kind of sidetracked yeah. about my sympathy for him. Is that like he's clearly not a bad guy. I mean, he go he goes off the deep end, and he then you know very quickly will re- resort to violence and murder in the case of Frederick Forrest. But he's not in any way. I don't see him at the end of the movie. Then you know, calling blacks. No, or no, I'm Asians. not even talking. Even yeah. even aside from the racial aspect of it, you know, just in terms of like his his sense of morality. Like, yes, he's doing things that are uh, wrong and immoral. But like I said, it's, it's in reaction to something. So in a sense, like I feel like. He's not. He's not really a bad guy. He's a guy handling things poorly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he's doing a bad job of handling his and, shit. And f- but doesn't mean that he's a bad guy. Yeah. And then, like for me, in this viewing, it's like you're. For I feel like we're all laughing with him up until the surplus scene, and then when the surplus scene happens, and he kind of has his mental breakdown where he like literally falls down and breaks his glasses, yeah. and then he ends up killing Frederick Force, and then he changes his clothes, and he's now different and then he then even the tone of him like when he's calling his wife in the previous things he he can't like gin up the guts to to say something to her he's very anxious and then he finally is able to talk to her but then by the time of the surplus scene he's talking to her and he's getting a little weird like he's kind of lost it at that point and he's all telling her he's kind of come home and that almost also begs the question of like you know like the vows is at the end of the movie. It's like you know, like Michael Douglas sees interview for the movie. And he says he doesn't believe his character would have killed the family at the end of the movie. But then D- Bob Duvall has a really good point. Like, what were you gonna do? Yeah, like what, what was you? What, what you was had a gun, plan? you know? And this is, and we've certainly in this sadly in this day and age, we've Ugh. seen this thousands of times. Too many where times. This is what happens when you know th- these situations spiral out of control this way, and that's why this movie's realistic, very realistic. Where this is the only way it could have. You went. know, his his. Duvall's thing, what were you going to do? And then, like, what's going to happen when, uh, you know, when you've done it and all, the only thing you can do is then turn the gun yourself, is, like, fucking more poignant today than yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, un- Very topical. unfortunately, is an aspect of the movie that has not aged. If anything, it's, like, become more relevant, yeah. which is fucking horrible. But it was, like, that, to me, certainly was a part of the movie that rang... Uh, I don't know if poignant's the word, but it's a it's it's a rang true. Yeah, in a way that never would have rang rung true to me when I was like, you know, when I saw this movie in the nineties. Yeah. I mean for me as well, it's like uh this movie holds like a big sadness for me because I've always identified with near the end of the movie where you see remember, you know, when he, he does the hilarious thing on the golf course with the and I love that scene where he's like, You're gonna die with that little hat on, you know. But it's yeah. it is amping up the, the by that point it's like, you know, he's had it. And then when he the very next scene when he cuts his hand getting over into those peoples and it's they're just the caretakers with the family. Yeah, yeah. And then he he's sitting there and they they're hiding out and he has that little monologue where he's talking about what he wants to just he just wants to go home and have an, like a regular night with him. And it just it yeah. gets so sad and then to the very end when after the movie's over and we kind of after the the last parts, the last like shot, we drift in with the cop, and the the um, the home videos are still playing. It's just so sad. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just I find it so like I want to cry right now. It's just so sad. Just the, you know, the lives that have been in the the dog is still on the couch, and it's just like it's just oh, it's just so it's just such a sad, you know, the state of affairs there. The whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe um, I said I was less sympathetic with them. Maybe it's. Maybe sympathy's not the word. Maybe I'm less empathetic with him. Because I certainly do 
sympathize with, even if I go with like what my argument was earlier in this, like we're not, we're talking about a guy who with mental illness pushed to a certain, I certainly have sympathy for someone with, <laughs> with, with mental illness. I have no, you know, <laughs> like, you know, he, he's taken it to extreme. So in a way it's like, yes, I, I'm, I sympathize with like, his plight, no matter what, but I certainly relate. Le- I guess it was like I relate less to him yeah. now than I did, or felt like I did when in in back in the day. It, it is. I mean, it's a it's a sad movie. I mean, all kind of from all points of view. I mean, from Robert Duvall's character, it's it's he, his story's tragic. Um, it's there's know, no real winners in this. Yeah, like it's it's <laughs> you know, it's a the, really it's a downer. The girl loses her father on her birthday. Um, um, you know, and, you know, and Barbara, she's like, "What should I tell her?" And he's like, "Wait, you tell her tomorrow. tomorrow. You yeah, have her like, day today. Let her have her birthday." Um, you know, you do feel sad for everybody. I mean, you you kind of do relate. To everybody's position, yeah. I relate to Barbara Hershey's position. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, uh, to you know, especially Robert. Like I said, I definitely, I I was felt definitely way closer to Robert of all this viewing than I had in past, and that's why I feel like revisiting movies is like really important. I mean, I always talk about the Rocky thing, and I talk about it obviously when we did Rocky, where it's like I always loved Rocky, but then I hadn't seen it for decades, and then I watched it. As like a thirty-something-year-old guy, down in his luck, broke. <laughs> you know, never got a shot. Hadn't got a shot in life. And it was like Rocky was like it was a complete revelation. Four hundred blows, uh, Truffaut's movie was like we watched it in c- college, and I liked it a lot in college. It was my favorite movie of the French New Wave that we watched. And then I watched it within the you know much later at a screening, and it just like you know, hit me on a whole different level, you know, sometimes, you know, you feel like, Oh, I saw that movie and I didn't really like it. You might like it now. Yeah. yeah. It depends on what, yeah, where you were, or you might like it then and you might like it more now, or you might like it for different reasons. Or you might like it less now, you know, when, when you, when you, Uh, there's that that happens, I think way more often. Yeah. It doesn't hold up or something. Something doesn't hold up. It doesn't ring true, Uh, you know, ring, ring true to you in a certain you know in a, in a an emotional level as you as you kind of you, you kind of mature past it so this movie is definitely a movie that um i mean i, I think it would be interesting for people especially of our generation that really remember this movie fondly remember really liking this movie remember like how great the fast food scene and you haven't seen it since the 90s Jesus yeah I think, you should, I think you should watch it again not because if you like, have a family now or you're in a different place completely where you know yeah. you're, you're a family man you have kids or whatever the heck it's just like you come and you watch it now and it's just like it kind of brings on a whole new sense of you know, you could see people, this is what happens. This I happens mean, every day to people like yeah, that yeah. they lose, you know, and some people aren't wired. I don't think to deal with the stresses. And then it's, it's interesting to think that like, you know, for better or for worse, and I don't know how accurate this is, but I've certainly heard it that like, you know, the lives today are much more stressful than they were when our parents were growing up just because of, you know, technology and everything's put at your fingertips. So it's interesting to see the stressors now on life, yeah. you know, and, and how they affect people. And it's just, yeah, it's sad. You know, it's really, it's, it's, it's really sad. The whole thing just kind of, you know, falling apart. And, and Douglas himself says, you know, it's his favorite movie. He, he doesn't think the character was going to kill his family, but it's like, well, what was going to happen? I mean, I mean, that's another thing. Maybe he never thought of it. Maybe he never thought what was going to happen once he he just wanted to come and see his daughter for yeah. his birthday. But he got to a point where it's it's interesting that everything 
that is said, he kind of answers with like, no, fuck you. So it's like he's, since his emotions are, are on edge, everything that is said, he kind of blows up to the extreme. Yeah. You know, so it kind of gets to be a very, uh, you know, no, no pun intended, explosive situation. You know, and there's some really classic moments in the movie with, with you know, and, it, and, and there are a lot of, there's there's a lot of social issues that are addressed in the movie that certainly aren't remedied at all. Like the whole, yeah. you know, thing about you know uh, urban construction, and then you know they're they're just do you know they need to justify their inflated budget, so they have to spend the money for next year. It's, that's all still happens. And it's yeah, so funny yeah. that you think about all not only the racial injustices or yeah, any tomorrow, kind of but yeah, the movies know, like less about even I feel like it's less about commenting on it, more about like. It's still here, build, building awareness of. Yeah, it. it's still it's still happening, you know, and uh, and it, a lot of humor. Yeah, a lot which of funny. Is, I think also what I think you know the people that are reviewing it today, looking at him as being racist. You know, some there was a, uh, I think a girl, a woman that reviewed it maybe for the AV Club, and just you know, oh yeah, yeah. self pity, lament about terrible uh, persecution facing the oppressed majority in an era of political correctness and increasing multiculturalism, you know, very like looking back on it with like very, uh, harsh, uh, you know, through a very harsh lens, I think. Uh, and I think the humor in it, if you're going to look at it that way, I think the humor of it almost makes it more offensive. I wonder if that person's younger. I you would know? imagine. You know, it's funny because I, I, you- I read that same thing and I feel like she, she even went on to say something about him being a white. Didn't yeah. she say something about being white? Yeah, man, I mean, this being, was just one sentence. Out of like she's a, talking about like you know him being a white man who's no longer being the dominant. You know something like that, and it's just oh, that, all that kind of annoys me. And it's yeah, just, well, that's the thing. I mean, I think it's a younger generation who grew up at a different time, not fully understanding what that time was. Yeah, you know, and that it's reactionary. Two very specific things. Yeah, it's hard to, to to be able to to be able to divorce yourself and bring not bring your own baggage of the time. That's that's a, another thing that annoys me. Like nowadays, everyone looks but at I, everything through a lens of yeah. today, and it's like you can't. A yeah. lot of these movies, you can't. Look but at I them also like, that. Th- like I, I think you know my point was like I think the humor in it can, if taken the wrong way, I don't think it's the intention, but I think if taken the wrong way, kind of makes light of it. Yeah. But I don't, you know, it's in a way it's, you know, you could look at it as comic relief. I mean, when he says, does anybody know what's wrong with this picture? Hold the burger, the burger and the, the, <laughs> the, little, kid, yeah. and then the little kid raises his hand. It's a very subtle, like little funny joke, but it's, it's funny or the, uh, you know the guy, the, the kids that come up and they're trying to show them how to use the rocket launcher. Yeah, and they know exactly how to do it, which I evidently I saw in my notes. It's you know in Beverly Hills Cop Two, they show you how to do it. So if he watched Beverly Hills Cop Two, he would have uh, watched it. It's scary for me to say that like they 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 give a description of of Michael Douglas's. He's a guy in his late thirties. I'm like he doesn't look like he's in his late thirties. And in the movie, he's 47 when he made the movie. And I'm like yeah, Christ yeah. sakes, I'm in my late thirties right now, mid to late thirties. You're telling me he's he's supposed to be my age? Do I look like that now? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeez, Louise. Um uh then then, then the, the the detective the, the uh detective Brian in it, Steve Park, is he from Mad TV? The 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 uh Asian detective? I thought he re- I well, thought I he don't was No, he does look familiar, but I don't remember. They say that um, you know, he says he's Japanese in the movie when in real life he is um uh let's see. Uh 
he uh, he's actually Korean, and then the, the guy who plays the Korean uh, shop owner is actually Chinese. Yeah. So that's that's pretty funny. And then uh, the guy who plays like the the the, the chief, whatever. No, the captain. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy from Rapid Fire who's undercover and he's like pleasure doing business with you Frank I've seen him in yeah, a lot of stuff yeah it's a real pleasure stuff. doing business with you too. that's a great arc too because at the end of that too when he says fuck you fuck you very much you see the smile on his face like he kind of gets it like he's yeah, like you're yeah. welcome like he kind of like sees the whole thing um, that mural shows up in Colors which is a movie right around that time that yeah. deals with the same kind of issues the Dennis Hopper movie with uh, Devalian Sean uh, Penn uh, Iron Maiden, they put a song out called Man on Edge that was based on this movie and the Foo Fighters did a music video um that would that inspired that was kind of paying homage to this movie as well at the time and um let's see uh this movie ended up uh, and then uh michael douglas's mother in the movie plays uh six years old her name's lewis smith lois smith she played his uh his secretary in fatal attraction six years earlier and um uh, duval frederick forrest and james keen who i think is one of the detectives maybe they're all in apocalypse now yeah and then i think when they bring the stripper out for him yeah they suzy q suzy q which is yeah. another like i, I got uh, that little reference hey suzy q and someone else it's like oh, i think it was like their ad lib and like, we know you suzy q you know <laughs> and then it's uh, it's it's interesting the whole movie the water gun i never noticed it before but because i knew the ending yeah. but the, right at the beginning of the movie the daughter gets the water gun and she's playing with it the entire movie until yeah. they run out of the house and then he picks the water gun up and he has it in his pocket and that's what he uses at the end and I always found it ironic that he beats Robert Duvall to the punch Robert Duvall gets yeah, scored yeah. first you know and it's a sad ending that whole you know uh, suicide by cop you know that that's, yeah. that's another real well, thing that's the that thing happens. is like there's no real winner yeah. I mean you know it's a it's like a horrible day for both those guys yeah and <laughs> you uh, know like Robert Duvall his last day at work does not want to go out and shoot some guy who's just fucking at the end of his rope yeah and it's kinda. just it's so sad and uh, then I wonder what do you think of she says uh, he says something about his wife he tells the little oh, girl oh yeah my name is Mud yo your name is not Mud well it's gonna be when, I, when my wife feels I'm no longer a cop yeah, does, uh, do you think he makes that decision that he's going to stay? Is that what that's? I don't saying? know. Maybe it just means he's not going to retire today. Is what I I caught from it. Like you know, he's he's going to have a lot of paperwork to do. <laughs> 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 well, that, that could be. You know, he's not he's not going to you know he's got to come into work and fill out some more forms. Uh, but you're right. Maybe he's deciding to stay on a little longer. But they are half like the, the house is half packed by that point. So he's like, bitch, unpack the house. <laughs> he hangs back up, and it's not you know. And then you know, also it's like I felt kind of bad for the for the for the woman because you know when he kind of tells her off at the end he's kind of like you know he does he should say i felt like he should have said and i love you, you know? so it's like i realize yeah, you had because yeah. he's kind of like you know ha to it it's like well she's had her own problems so she's yeah, probably yeah. just freaking out uh the movie came out uh the 25 million dollar budget michael douglas said that he took less of his usual pay because he felt like it was such an important movie he needed to have as much of the of the budget go towards the movie so he took his his uh, he took less than his usual salary uh, so $25 million budget movie came out, grossed $40 million, which was good for that at the time. Yeah. And it was quite that, popular. That went $40 million. Yeah, back $40 million. $40 million with $40 million. Can I get an amen? So uh, what do you think? Uh, it was great. I mean, I don't, you know. You were know. you worried coming into it that you may not be able to, you were like, when was you not seen it for many years? Yeah, like, yeah. I just, you know, it's certainly like, look, I mean, it's half the length of the most of our podcast. So, <laughs> Yeah. You know, what this, are we going to talk about? Fun. It was like I, you know, it certainly would. You know, the point is, it's not a movie that I personally 
the thing about this podcast is it's an it's a it's a podcast based on nostalgia. So, you know, when we do a movie that you know one of us, or at least for me, when I feel like we do a movie when I'm not specifically nostalgic for it, for the specific movie or a certain time period, uh, it can be tougher. So in a way, like this was not a movie, you know, like we did cruising. I had just inherently had more to say about cruising yeah, yeah. than I did this movie. So there was it wasn't a worry of like I don't want to do it because I don't think it's you know worth doing or it's a doesn't fit it was more of like we'll have to we'll do it but like i don't know what i'm gonna have to say about it because some a lot of times i don't know when we do a movie like this and i haven't seen it forever and i don't have anything to say i don't know what i'm gonna have to say about it until after i watch it again yeah yeah <laughs> you know and it was like uh you know when we did like smoking the bandit and i we i was like uh I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen Smoking the Man all the way through. I have no idea how I'm going to feel about it until until I watch it. Yeah. <laughs> until we have the sleepover. So, um, but I no, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I mean, it's certainly a uh, it's certainly a movie that's not like a lot of the movies that we do yeah. on the show. So in that way, it's kind of a re- refreshing. It's topical. Um, it's topical. The, uh, it's, the climate, the season, this this in as well as the and mood. it's certainly of an era that. You know, was our like I said, it's peak. It's comes it came it came out at a peak time for our sleepover. Uh, you know, the when we had adolescent sleepover. So in that way, it's uh, in a way it's kind of perfect and not perfect at the same time for 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 what we do. But I, I liked it. I some buckets of pizza. I'd give it three. Yeah, I give it the same. Th- I probably do maybe three point five because um, I was a fan of it growing up. Um, you know, for me, the show, my my big, uh, the for most mostly my my big definition of a sleepover movie is like, is it fun? Like for me, like a sleepover movie needs to be fun because it's a party, it's a sleep, it's a sleepover, yeah. and this certainly is not a fun movie. No. <laughs> much like cruising last week, that was a, a two weeks ago. <laughs> well, we we both, even you, who's very more lenient on the definition of sleepover uh, movies, was like, I don't know. <laughs> even you were like, sleeper. I don't know. It's a sleepover. Material. That I don't want my ten year old to watch with his friends. You know. Uh, so in that sense, I would not say this movie was fun, but it certainly was a walk down memory lane yeah. for a movie that came out during a time when. Uh, you know, a time that we're, I think I'm, at least I'm nostalgic for like the early nineties. Cause that's when we were young, Yeah, you yeah. know? And even though it's not, wasn't a kid's movie or a movie that I probably would have watched as sleepover. It was, um, it was, uh, totally enjoyable. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. And like I said, I would recommend if you haven't seen it since then, like we hadn't, yeah, it's it, worth it, watching it's again gonna, because it, I think you'll take way more from it than you yeah. would have. Or my, my perception that. might even change of it and might yeah. become suddenly serious. Like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm grown up now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so check us out on our uh, Facebook page, on our Twitter page, on our, uh, on our home page. We have a lot of extras there. Um, we come out twice a month. Uh, we hope you like the uh, little... Um, uh, tidbit extra we did last week with the Jurgensen interview. Let us know how you thought that was. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with another movie. It's going to be Go, a great one. It's going a back, back to school. Going movie. back to school, but not the movie back to school. Everyone get all excited there. I'm sorry. Not that we don't like 
back to school. <laughs> we we'll just say it's school. a back to school themed <laughs> podcast. Back to school would actually be a it's fun pretty movie sweet at yeah. some point, but uh, that's not what we're doing. So don't yeah, get we're gonna we're gonna get a Danny Elfman interview just to do back to school. We are gonna say it's an interesting movie to do on the heels of cruising and, and uh, this movie. It has a little to do with cruising, but not in a way at all. That what you think? And then uh, yeah. and then we have our big anniversary special coming Ooh, up. Yeah, it's a month from so now. Stay that's tuned. crazy. So uh, we'll see you soon, and uh, you know, keep listening. <laughs>